Journey. Welcome to church and welcome to the Christmas season. So glad you joined us this weekend. And uh, for all of you who are joining us online, we're very glad you are along for the ride right now. And then let me take a moment and just say a big hello to our Hokessin location. Much love to you. New York, will you help me give it up for our other locations right now? Come on, show some love. Love it, and uh, very glad that you guys are along for the ride. Glad you're with us this weekend. If you're if you're joining us for the for the first time, we're glad you're here. If you joined us for the first time during at the movies and you're back, a big welcome to you. We're starting a brand new series, the last series of 2021. And before we jump into that today, I want to let you know what's coming up over the next few weeks. But first, I want to say a huge thank you. To all of you who have been serving and giving here uh, all year long, but especially over the past few weeks, you welcomed 157 first-time guests just in the month of November. Yeah, it's awesome, including 57 in Journey Kids, so way to go, Journey Kids. And uh, not only that, but you have been just serving in our communities. You provided free Thanksgiving meals to people at recovery centers and at Delaware School for the Deaf, to the teachers and staff there. Uh, you've been just reaching out into our community, and we're not done yet. We are continuing to serve throughout the end of this year. In fact, I want to share with you that over the next couple of weeks, there are lots of opportunities to serve. You'll be handing out care packs to healthcare workers and, and, and teachers, distributing food and hygiene supplies to people in need in our area and uh, serving people in need in the Philadelphia area. We've got an outreach coming up at the Red Roof Inn in Newark, where we're going to provide hot meals and haircuts and Christmas toys all free to people experiencing homelessness in our region. We plan to feed 500 families in the month of December alone through our food distribution center. And uh, I just want to take a moment and say thank you for your generosity and your serving. You are amazing. And I know you're a little too modest to applaud yourself. So can we give God thanks for all that he's doing in the life of our church? Yeah, it's remarkable. And, uh, man, there's nothing like it. We've just been on this steady kind of track with God's help to make a difference in our region, and I'm so proud of every single one of you. So here's where we're headed as we wrap up 2021. We're starting a series this weekend called All I Want for Christmas, and that's going to lead into next weekend our Christmas offering. So if you're new to our church, this is an opportunity for us to give financially above and beyond our regular giving. Uh, not to pay the bills that we have as a church, all of that is taken care of because of your faithful giving all year long, but to reach out outside of our current walls and make a difference in the lives of people who are in need, uh, physically and spiritually. I'll talk more about that in a few minutes, but that's coming up next weekend. And then Christmas at the Journey begins, and as you heard, we have 17 identical gatherings spread out across uh, six days, so lots of opportunities, great <laughs> Easy way to invite people, because you're like, can you come at this time on this day? I say, no, I've got something going on. You just move on to number two, and then number seven, and then number 16. Eventually, they can no longer make excuses. So uh, we just have some great opportunities. It's going to be an incredible Christmas, and I'm so excited about it. And that's going to lead into, uh, we'll be back gathering the first weekend of January, January 1st and 2nd, and then 21 days of prayer and fasting begin. So Christmas is a time of feasting. 21 days is a time of fasting. You just remove the E and uh, move on into something good. So Christian joke. All right, so if you're new to church, uh, ask me about that later. So 
We are going to start this season that is so important in the life of our church. We do this every year, 21 days of prayer and fasting, and it's an opportunity. We'll have prayer experiences every day uh, for you to experience God and set yourself up for a powerful 2022. So um, make plans now to be a part of that. It's just going to be an incredible next few weeks. I believe God has some big things in store for us as a community of faith and for your life personally going into 2022. And uh, 21 Days is going to set the stage for that. So as we kick off this series, let me ask you, you know, we're kind of full-blown into this holiday season. Thanksgiving just happened. Christmas is coming. Did you, did you have a good Thanksgiving? Just if you're in the room, just show of hands. If you can still lift it after all the calories that you consumed. You know, did you gobble till you wobble? Everybody just you know, have a good Thanksgiving. We had a great Thanksgiving in our family and uh, to be honest, the standard wasn't very high because last year we were all quarantined and we ate takeout for Thanksgiving. So anything would be better than that. So this year we had, a, we had a good Thanksgiving and we actually had friends come and visit us from out of town during Thanksgiving, which was really cool. Stayed for a few days and, and uh, we told them as soon as they arrived, you've probably said this if you had guests in your home, you, we made this statement, make yourself at home. You ever said that to anybody? Make yourself at home, need a snack, make yourself at home. Want to make us a snack, make yourself at home. You know, just need to stretch out on the couch, make yourself at home. Just whatever you need. We wanted our guests to feel like they were at home, like they could just relax and, and not be uptight or worried about anything going, around, going on around them, but just be at home. And as much as we worked hard to create that atmosphere, and I think we did, I think they felt very welcome, but it still wasn't their home. And there are moments when that became obvious, when they would go, where are the glasses again? You know, opening different cupboards. And where do you keep the forks? We like to hide those when we have guests, you know, just strange places in the kitchen. So people are kind of searching around. It's fun for us. We have a weird sense of humor, but all right, nobody else does that. So we, <laughs> moving right along, we had a great time. And I think they felt comfortable in our house, but as much as our friends love us, I'm sure it was nice when they pulled back into their driveway a few days later to just go, okay, we're, we're home. This is our real home. This is, we know where everything is. We feel comfortable here. It's home. And I wonder, whatever you believe about God, wherever you are in your spiritual journey, you ever feel like you're not quite at home? Can't really explain it, but you just have those days when you feel like, in my, in my own skin, in my own life, my own family or friends, my own circles, I'm just not quite at home, things, things aren't quite like they're supposed to be. We, we had our, our friends stay with us during Thanksgiving. Our, we have a guest room in our house, but it's small. It's more like a guest closet. It only has room for the bed, and uh, you have to kind of squeeze yourself out of the bed to leave the guest room. And I wonder if you've ever felt like you're just the walls of this life are kind of closing in on you, and you feel constrained and a little bit uncomfortable, the uncertainty in our world, the the disruption to our routines, the chaos of our schedules, especially this time of year. Some of us are going through loneliness and grief. I've been talking with some people in my life and in our community of faith who are struggling. They've lost a loved one. They're, they're dealing with some very difficult things during this season, and it can all leave us feeling like we're not quite at home, like we're searching through someone else's cabinets to find our peace and our hope and looking for answers, looking for God, wondering how am I supposed to live my life when I don't feel comfortable here, when I don't feel like things are working out the way they're supposed to for me? I'm not at home. Well, in the Old Testament of the Bible, we find a group of people who are asking some of those very same questions. There was a group of 
Jewish people who had been forcibly removed from their homes and their homeland, and they had been taken to a strange place called Babylon. You can read about this in several of the books in the Old Testament of the Bible, but specifically in the book of Jeremiah, we read about this. And not long after this group of Jewish people has been forcibly removed from Israel, taken to the, the land of Babylon, God speaks to this guy named Jeremiah, and he says, I want you to give my people a word from me, a message from me. He tells Jeremiah to write a letter. Jeremiah is still back in, in uh, Judah, in Israel, and he writes to the people in Babylon, and here's what he writes. Listen to these words. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says to all of the captives he has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. So these people have been removed from their homes. They're in this strange place, and God says, build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. So again, remember, these people's lives have been disrupted completely. They've been forced to leave their comfortable surroundings. They're in Babylon. It's not home. They're being treated very uh, cruelly by the people around them. They feel like they don't belong. They don't fit in. And understandably, they're crying out to God going, okay, when do we get to go home? And God responds by saying, not anytime soon. To which, you know, the people are like, what are you talking about? This, we need to get out of here as quickly as we can. We need this season to be over. We need a new season. We need things to change. And God says, no, I want you to stop focusing on getting back to what you're used to and getting back to what you're comfortable with and feeling like everything is right in, in your circumstances. Instead, I want you to build homes. I want you to plant gardens and I want you to plan to stay. I know you're not where you want to be, but this is a season where I'm calling you to make yourself at home. Now, this is different from some other teachings in the Bible. So if you're new to the Bible, uh, I was reading, I read the one-year Bible every day, and it's just a powerful part of my uh, experience with God. Highly recommended if you're looking for a way to read the Bible daily. And, and so I was reading it this past week, and there were some reminders to followers of Jesus, those of us who believe in Jesus, Reminders that this world isn't our home, that we're not supposed to get too comfortable with our surroundings. This isn't our home, at least not forever. It's a, it's a temporary place. We're supposed to feel a little out of sorts in this world. In fact, last weekend, as we finished up at the movies, we saw that our lives are temporary. We don't always think about that, especially when we're young. If you're in high school or college, you tend to think you're going to live forever. But the reality is life is unpredictable and temporary. But at the same time, for now... We're here. You're here. Whatever your current here looks like, and maybe it's not your favorite kind of here. <laughs> maybe you're looking at your surroundings and your circumstances going, I don't want to stay here. And maybe God's not going to keep you where you are forever. But for now, you're here. And God doesn't want us to treat our lives as if they are a minor inconvenience on our way to heaven. He doesn't want us to treat our lives like we're just kind of going through the motions. Instead, he calls us to build homes and plan to stay and plant seeds. And this goes against the restlessness a lot of us are struggling with. I think a lot of us are dealing with this anxiety below the surface. We're fantasizing about things being different than they are, about being somewhere other than where we are, with someone other than who we're with, doing something other than what we're currently doing. And so what happens is we don't stick to relationships. We don't stick to commitments. We're all, we've got this nervous 
energy about us and we never dig deep and plant seeds and stay in it for the long haul to accomplish something that matters. We just kind of dabble and coast and drift around and God says, I've got something better for you, but you've got to decide that you're going to plan to stay. So can I ask you, are you just marking time in your life right now? Are you just letting one day on the calendar lead into the next, or are you building the kind of life God desires for you to live? And what would it look like for you to plan to stay? I don't just mean stay in your current geographical location, but what would it mean for you to stay committed to following Jesus even though things aren't going the way you want them to? What would it look like for you, let's get very practical, to stay committed to a budget even though it looks like everybody else is having all the fun? I was uh, shopping recently in a store. Do you remember stores? Uh, hadn't been in one in a while. It's a very strange, surreal kind of thing, but there was a, like a transaction took place with another human being across the counter. It was amazing. And uh, there was a young woman working in the store, and while she was ringing up what I was, what I was buying, uh, she was talking to her coworker, and she said, yeah, my mom you know, got me a credit card, but there's only a $5,000 limit on the credit card, and I keep going over the credit card limit. I just don't, it's just not enough for me. And I was, you know, I didn't say anything. Maybe if I go back to that store, I'll try to pastor her a little bit. But this, on this particular occasion, I was just listening non-judgmentally. But I was thinking to myself, uh, what a way to live, right? Like I just keep living at the edge of my credit limit. Uh, and some of us are there. And uh, we, we're, we're not planting seeds for the future. We're, we don't plant the seeds, we eat the seeds. And then wonder why nothing grows. What, what would it look like for your life to begin to change, for you to, to zoom out and think a little bit bigger picture? What would it look like for you to stay committed to a group or a team that you're a part of, committed to your family or a marriage? Even if the other person in the relationship isn't doing what you wish they were doing, what would it look like for you to start doing what they secretly wish you were doing? Just a thought. What would it look like to stay, to plant gardens and then stick around long enough to eat what grows in them? You know, I've been thinking a lot lately about, in my own life, doing my job and letting God do his job. Sometimes I try to do God's job. Anyone else? Just all of our locations. Yeah, anybody else try to do God's job? And then in the process, I always neglect my job. Anyone else neglect your job? You say, what's the difference? Well, it's very simple. My job is everything I can control. God's job is everything I can't control. And sometimes what happens is I try to do God's job. So I try to control things I can't, like, like how I try to control the results and how things are going to turn out. And I try to control the future. I worry. I get engaged in wishful thinking. And what if things were different? And I try to do God's job, which is well above my pay grade. And in the process, again, what do I do? I neglect my job, which is all the stuff that I can control, like like the grace I'm going to show others, the grit I'm going to demonstrate by sticking to things instead of throwing in the towel when things get hard, the prayers I'm going to pray, the steps of faith I'm going to take. And what I'm realizing is my job is to seek God's input and then offer my output. That's my job. God, what is your will for my life? That's why I read the Bible every day because God, I think sometimes some of us are going, man, I'm really trying to figure out how God wants me to live, what he has for me. And I say, well, are you reading the Bible? Like the Bible? No, I'm not reading the Bible. I'm just really hoping it drops out of the sky. And God's going, I wrote a book. It's thick. You should try it. 
So that's why I read God's word every day, trying to get God's input into my life. And it's a slow process. It doesn't happen overnight, but get God's input. And then I'm going to give my output, which is working as hard as I can to live the way God called me to live. That's my job. When I do my job, I have peace. I have joy. I have hope. When I stay in my lane, things are good. God's job is the outcome, the results, and my income, which is meeting my needs. You tracking with me? And sometimes what happens is we get over in God's job and we're like, okay, I'm going to try to control the outcome. It's not enough for me to do what God has called me to do. I'm going to try to control how it's going to turn out. That's where frustration lives, resentment lives, unmet expectations. I'm going to worry about my needs being met. That's where doubt and anxiety begin to creep into my life. Can I challenge somebody today? Get back to doing your job and let God do his job. He's really good at his job. He's really good at his job. Our job is to plan to stay committed to how God's called us to live. His job is to provide. A guy named uh, John shared his story with us recently. He uh, told us that he believed in God and he'd attended church, uh, but in his words, he always felt like something was missing and he wasn't really in it. And then he came here to the journey and Jesus began to do a work in his life. John got baptized, he began serving, he started reading God's word every day, he started tithing, giving the first 10% of his income to what mattered to God and just being faithful to God. And here's what he says, I've never felt more on fire for Jesus than I do at this point in my life. I'm all in. But what happened for John? He did his job and let God do his job. And here's what John realized, that we can't control this life and we don't know how long we're going to be here, but while we're here, God calls us to make ourselves at home, to settle in and to settle down and to lay our anxieties and our cares about how things are going to turn out at the feet of Jesus and just start faithfully getting up every day and doing what God has called us to do. This is what God's calling us to. So let me ask you, are you, like John, committed to living your life for God right now? Or are you waiting for something or someone else to change before you do? Are you going, well, man, I'm really going to go all in with my faith once I get a job, or once I get a different job, or once my boss gets transferred? You just keep filling in the blank, whatever it is for you. Oh, man, I would really be on fire for Jesus, but you know my spouse doesn't support me. Oh, man, I would, I'll be generous when I have more. Man, I'll, I'll start serving when my schedule frees up. Are you waiting for something or someone else to change, or are you living the life God has called you to live right now? God speaks to his people in Babylon and says, I know you are in less than ideal surroundings. I know things are not the way you want them to be. Everything feels upside down, but I am calling you to build a life here, plan to stay, plant seeds. Don't let your circumstances dictate your commitment. And God continues in Jeremiah's letter, and he says, Mary... So nudge your boyfriend who has a hard time taking a hint. <laughs> Tell him that's God's word. As long as you have thoroughly vetted the relationship, the journey is not responsible for marriages that take place as a response to this, as a response to this message. All right, let's get back to the Bible. Mary, 
and have children, then find spouses for them so that you may have many grandchildren. Multiply, do not dwindle away. These people had put their lives on pause because of their circumstances, and God says, no, get back to living. I have good things for you, but you've got to get back to living. Build, plant, marry, raise kids, have grandkids, multiply. All those things take time. They are investments in a future that won't show up right away. Some of us have allowed the uncertainty of our circumstances to get us stuck in a place of complacency, and we're not doing what God has called us to do right now. We are procrastinating our obedience until our circumstances change, and God says, that's not the way it works. Go do your job and trust me to do mine. I'm going to provide for you, and this isn't a time to let your faith and your life dwindle away. It's a time to multiply. And here's what he says next. I love this. And work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. In other words, you're in the midst of a culture that you don't like and you don't understand and that rejects you, and I want you to work for the peace and prosperity of that culture in that city. I want you to be generous to the people who are being cruel to you. Work for the peace and prosperity of that city. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. This is how real Christians live. We're called to work for the peace and prosperity of our cities, our neighborhoods, our families, our workplaces, our schools, our streets. All we want for Christmas isn't just for us. We're called to live the kind of life that's about leaving a legacy, making an impact, making a difference, and then it, making sure that our lives aren't just about us, but we're working for the peace and prosperity of something beyond us. And again, I know for some of you, if you're young, if you're in high school or college, or maybe you're in your 20s and you're going, Man, I'm not thinking about leaving a legacy. I'm hoping someone gives, leaves me a legacy. Can I just tell you, your life will get better the day you realize it's not all about you. When you start to understand that God has a purpose for you that goes beyond you, and for our community of faith, for the journey, our city that we're focused on is a collection of places that we call Journey City. And it's a circle of 30-mile radius around our broadcast location in Newark. 1.8 million people live in that circle. And we've said as a church, we are committed to that circle. Now, we know we can't do it alone. So we pray for every life-giving church in that circle to make a difference, to not be inward-focused, but to be outward-focused. But we've decided as a church, if someone's hungry in that circle, we care. If someone's searching in that circle, we care. If there's a family struggling to raise a kid with special needs in that circle, we care. If there's someone battling with addiction in that circle, we care. We feel a sense of responsibility for our city. We're going to work for the peace and prosperity of our city. We don't know how long we'll be here, but while we're here, we're going to make ourselves at home. We're going to settle in. We're going to plant seeds. And maybe you're not where you want to be right now, geographically, relationally, financially, spiritually. And maybe God's going to move you at some point. But in the meantime... Your job is to make yourself at home. Go all in with God right now and see what he has for you. I lost a, a dear friend a few weeks ago, passed away, and uh, I miss him a ton. His name was Roger. 
Roger was a part of our church for many years, and he lived this out. In fact, one night a couple of years ago, Roger came to me and he said, does the church need anything I want to give? And uh, of course, you know, there are always things that we could do, and I could have given him a quick answer, but I just kind of felt this nudge, and I said, Roger, I'm sure there is, but I, I want to pray about it. Give me three weeks. I want to give you a specific answer. And so I prayed, and there was something our church needed that we had been putting off because it was a big expense. And we'd been waiting until we had the funds, and I just couldn't shake it. I was supposed to take this to Roger. So I asked him to meet with me, sat down with him, and I said, you asked if there's anything we needed. There's, there is something we need. It's a lot. And he said, well, how much? And I told him the amount. And Roger got this funny little smile on his face. And then he reached in his pocket and he pulled out a check that he had already written out before we met for the, the amount that I had just told him. Now, Roger didn't know he was going to end up in heaven just a couple of years later. But in the meantime, while he was here, he worked for the peace and prosperity of Journey City. He lived his life to make a difference in the lives of others. And that's the kind of life I want to live, don't you? I mean, don't you want to live the kind of life where our greatest investments are not just in ourselves, but in something beyond ourselves? And you don't have to be rich to make a difference. You don't have to be a certain age to make a difference. You don't have to have a certain amount of resources to make a difference. You just have to be committed to listening to God and doing what he leads you to do. And when you do that, when you live that kind of life, it's amazing that you discover that when you do your job, God is faithful to do his job and he provides. In fact, listen to the next thing God says to his people in Jeremiah. And some of you have heard these words before, but you didn't realize the context. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. God says, you build homes, you don't get in a hurry, don't live in anxiety, don't keep thinking about what's going to be next. You build homes, you plant seeds, you plan to stay, you work for the peace and prosperity of the city I've placed you in. You pray big prayers for others, not just yourself. I'm going to take care of you. I've got a future and a hope in mind for you. And I'm going to take care of you. And this whole idea of making ourselves at home is lived out in the story of Christmas, the true story of Christmas. Because this is what Jesus did. He came to our planet and it wasn't ideal. The surroundings were not what he deserved. He was born in a stable. It was cold and unwelcoming. When he was just a baby, a terrible king tried to have him killed. I mean, it was, it was terrible. And yet he stayed for 33 years. He planted seeds. He, he stayed. And then he died and rose again so that we could have peace with God and live rich, satisfying lives. And now he invites us to follow his example in the book of John, we read that God was present in Jesus and he made himself home here. He made himself at home in our world. 
And now he gives us that example and he shows us that while we're here in this less than ideal world, in this less than ideal culture, in less than ideal surroundings, what are followers of Jesus supposed to do? We make ourselves at home. We build homes. We plan to stay. We make a difference. We invest our lives in what matters to God. So over the next couple of weeks, man, we're going to hear God's word. It's going to strengthen us. But for today, imagine with me what could happen in Journey City if all of us decided that we were going to take God's word to heart. And whether you're brand new to this or you've been a part of this community of faith for months or years, what if we decided we're going to pray bigger prayers? We're going to serve in even more significant ways. And each of us, we're going to give greater gifts, knowing that the welfare of our city determines our welfare. See, I believe Jesus is the answer to the world's most pressing problems. I don't think there's a problem on this planet that ultimately experiencing God through a real relationship with Jesus and then living the way he calls us to live can't solve. I believe that with everything in me. He's the answer. So what if all of us who believe that decided that our job was to get Jesus to as many people as possible? For as long as we're here to get Jesus to as many people as possible, and we have a chance to do that through our Christmas offerings. We have an opportunity as a community of faith to be generous. Now, if you're here and you aren't sure what you believe about Jesus yet, there's no pressure to give anything, and the offering's not today. <laughs> it's next weekend. So it's not about an emotional appeal to respond to in the moment, but for all of us who believe in Jesus, it is an opportunity to see our world changed through our generosity, to see our world change as we work for the peace and prosperity of our city. And we're going to do three things through our Christmas offering. I'm so excited about this. I believe God's hand is on it in a big way. First, we're going to give toward Convoy of Hope. So Convoy of Hope is a community and global partner that we've been working with over the past several years. If you were here last weekend, they shared a message uh, with you, gratitude for your generosity so far. You can see that on our YouTube channel. But Convoy of Hope is the partner who has helped us access food to give away through the food distribution center that you gave last Christmas to build. And by the way, isn't it cool that a year ago we were saying, we believe God wants us to build this food distribution center. You gave in the Christmas offering. We built it. It was finished this past summer. We are giving away 30,000 pounds of food every month to families in need in our region. It's awesome. And so we, have, we are setting aside the first $50,000 of our Christmas offering to give toward Convoy of Hope, to help feed hungry children around the world, make a difference in some of the most impoverished places on the planet, just make an impact and continue to feed people in need. And we've already given 25,000 of it by faith through our reserves. We just decided we couldn't wait. <laughs> so that's the first thing we're gonna do through our Christmas offering. The second thing is, we're gonna reach more people online. So we've seen God do something over the past two years during all of what's happened in our world that we couldn't have planned in advance and didn't ask for. We've seen God work through online ministry to change lives. And we've seen hundreds of people put their faith in Jesus while watching online, get connected in online groups, serve. I met with a, a woman two weeks ago who has been gathering online for the past year. 
uh, does not come in person. Church is online for her. But she drove here because she wanted to meet me and tell me her story. And she shared how God is working in her life, how she's discovered real faith through our online gatherings. So we're going to take the next $50,000 of our Christmas offering. We plan to hire an online location pastor to accelerate the vision of reaching people uh, in our region, in the digital space. We believe God's going to do amazing things. And then here's the third one. I'm very excited about this one. We plan to plant another location, a physical location of the journey within Journey City. Would you like to know where? Cool. Can't wait to tell you, and I promise too soon. Um, But for today, here's what you need to know. We're doing a bunch of behind-the-scenes work, and we are planning to launch another physical location of our church. Susie, my wife and I had an opportunity to be at our Hokessin location last weekend, and it's amazing to see what's happening in Hokessin. I love our Hokessin church family so much. Lives are being changed. People are finding Jesus. It works. It pays off. A few years ago, you gave as a church family to plant a location so that people you had never met, and in some cases will never meet, could find Jesus and follow him, follow him fully. I'm here to tell you, it's working. It's paying off. It's making a difference. So we're going to do it again. We're going to plant a third location somewhere within that circle of Journey City. And it takes about $600,000 to $750,000 to launch a, a location and fund it fully for the first year. That's all of the expenses related with that. It's a big thing. But it works and it pays off. And the rest of our Christmas offering is going to provide the seed money for that. We have an opportunity to make a dent in the darkness of our region by giving our best Christmas gift this year to what matters to Jesus. And I believe if we'll all lean into that, God can do something great. I'm praying for 400 households in our church to participate and be a part of this. And the amount is between you and God. So here's what I want to invite you to do over the next few days. Pray, listen, ask God if he would have you be a part of this. Listen to what God leads you to do and then give as God leads. And every amount matters. Just participate in the process. Just listen to God. We have an opportunity to change the world. I don't know how long we'll be here. But while we're here, we're going to make ourselves at home as a church. We're going to work for the peace and prosperity of our city, everybody. And we're going to see continued life transformation for the glory of the name of Jesus. You believe that with me? We're a part of something bigger than ourselves. So how do you make yourself at home in the midst of all the uncertainty and the stress and the unmet expectations and the grief we go through in this world? And, and I don't know about you, but I've been through some things over the past couple of months. I've, some, I've had some very high moments of joy and I've had some low moments of grief. So how do you make yourself at home in the middle of all that? Well, here's what you do. You build a home. You build a life. You plant seeds. You plan to stay. You work for the peace and prosperity of your city. You pray big prayers for God to do something, not just in your life, but through your life that will make a difference. While you're here, you make yourself at home. And if that hits home today, if you would say, that's how I want to live, I'm going to need the grace of God to live that way at all of our locations, would you just lift a hand toward heaven in the room here in Newark at Hokessin online, right where you are, let's pray. Father, we love you and honor you. 
We give you all the praise for your goodness in our lives. God, we're asking you right now to speak to our hearts and encourage our spirits. We don't feel completely at home in this world. In fact, some of us right now, we're, we're going home to a less than ideal situation. We're going to get up tomorrow morning and go to work in a less than ideal situation. We're going to face less than ideal circumstances in our families or our finances or our health, God. And I'm praying for healing. I'm praying that you will do big things. But in the meantime, God, give us a courage in our spirit that we're going to do our job. We're going to live big for you in the midst of the uncertainty. We're going to trust you for the outcome. And then, God, we pray right now, I pray that through us as a community of faith, you would bring peace and prosperity to our city. You would bring hope to our city. God, I'm asking you to do your work in our generation through us. Let us be generous with our lives and our resources so that someone else can be healed, someone else's life can be changed. We ask you for this in the name of Jesus, and it's our privilege to live our lives like you did, Jesus. We believe you for it. Let me take just a moment more for any of you that are here today. You don't yet have a personal relationship with God. You don't know Jesus for yourself. God has plans for your life, and they're good. He has plans to give you a future and a hope. That's why he sent his son, Jesus, so that through faith in him, you could find life. Jesus died for the forgiveness of your sins so that you could have peace with God, so that you could know that your past is covered, your present is under the hand of God, and your future is taken care of. And if you want that today, if you want to begin a real relationship with God right where you are, I want to invite you in this moment to whisper out a prayer of faith. It can be very simple, something like this. Jesus, today, I give my life to you. I believe in you. I trust in you. I believe you died to forgive me. And I believe I can have your power within me. Save me now. And if that's your prayer, while everyone around you stays focused on God, if you would say, I want to be included in that prayer. Will you just lift your hand and hold it up high if you're in the room here in Newark and Hocus? And yeah, if you would say, my faith is in Jesus today. If you're watching online, let us know that you're taking that step, putting your faith in Jesus. And then everyone, will you help me? Come on, let's give Jesus all the praise.